All right, praises be to our loving Father that we are again gathered to study His words and His commands. Today, we're going to talk about the Book of Life. I know many of you have heard about the Book of Life before, and I'm sure you're, you're quite interested in knowing the answer to the question, is my name in the Book of Life? Now, this question was actually inspired by one of the critics of the Assembly of Yahusha, and they asked the question because it's related to salvation, and we just came off from a series, a four-part series concerning what I need to do to be saved. And so in connection with that, of course, there's a study concerning the Book of Life. And in connection with that, there's a question that was raised by some of our critics. And this is what they have to say. Uh, I guess this was addressed to someone who's a member of the Assembly of Yahusha. And they uh, asked this question in Tagalog. Paano ngayon sila matatalian sa langit dahil word for word, ang lumabas sa iglesia antikristo humanap ka ng talata na nagpapaliwanag wag galing sa iyo so to translate in english how are they then going to be bound in heaven because word for word those who leave the church antichrist i don't exactly know where that kind of leads to or where that conclusion comes from but i do know that the iglesia ni cristo teaches that if you're not inside the iglesia ni cristo organization then your name is not listed in the book of life in heaven. So he asks, find a verse that explains not just your opinion. So he's asking us to look for a verse that tells us even though we are not listed in the church's registry, our names are still listed or bound in heaven. And so this belief or idea that for one to be saved, one needs to be registered in the Iglesia in Cristo is quite prevalent. Those who belong to the INC have been bombarded with this messaging that you need, need to remain listed in the church's registry to be saved. Just to make sure that I'm not making this up, this was a program presented a number of years ago. If you still remember the true defenders of the faith, we have here brother Mark Sandoval or Michael Sandoval and also his, uh, his uh, aides, I guess or his partners, Brother Zane Bizon and Brother Hovindelisho. You know, I do miss uh, this program for some reason. They put a stop to it. I do hope that they bring it back because I kind of enjoy the back and forth between them and us. And so I do hope one day they can maybe rekindle the defenders of the faith. Anyways, in one of the programs, they introduced a young and good-looking minister. I forgot his name, but anyways, he presents this uh, argument basically telling us we have no right to preach we have no right to expect salvation because we're not in the iglesia ni cristo registry and he asked the question do you accept the biblical teaching taught by brother iran manala that those who were not listed in the registry of the church that's the iglesia ni cristo here on earth are not listed in heaven so it's clear the iglesia ni cristo doctrine stipulates that if you are not registered in their registry then you're not listed in the book of life in heaven. That's some kind of power the Iglesia de Cristo wields, if that is true. And so we need to look, is this really an official doctrine? Well, let's go to the Iglesia de Cristo program, incmedia.org. They have a program, one of my favorites, that's in the Bible, presented by one of my favorites, Iglesia de Cristo minister, Brother Bob Pelin. Brother Bob says in this particular clip, he says, dear friends, we need also to live a pure life as members of the Church of Christ. I agree with that. Uh, we must strive to have our name listed in the Book of Life. I agree with that. 
by being and remaining bound here on earth and therefore bound in heaven as members, registered members of the Church of Christ and then live a life of purity, holiness, the best of our human capability. That's kind of iffy. That's what we're going to test uh, today. The highlighted part there where we must have our names listed in the book of life in heaven by having our names in the registry of the Church of Christ. So we need to ask, well, do we need to be registered members of the Iglesia de Cristo to be listed in the book of life in heaven? Now, why should we be interested in this question? Why do we need to make sure our names are indeed listed in the book of life? Well, let's turn to the book of Revelation 20, 12, and 15. And I saw the dead, a small and great standing before God, and books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And anyone found not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so if our names are not in the book of life, we will be cast where? in the lake of fire. Do you see why we need to be interested in the answer to that question? Is my name listed in the book of life? Because if it's not, guess what? Our destiny is not heaven. Our destiny is the lake of fire. We don't want that, do we? What else is the destiny or what else happens to those who are not listed in the book of life? Well, in Revelation 21, 22, 27, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day, because there is no light there, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So here we can see the benefit of having your name listed in the Book of Life and the consequences of not having your name listed in the Book of Life. What's the benefit? If our names are listed in the Book of Life, we enter the glorious city, the New Jerusalem, in heaven. And that's a great benefit. Right? And so we need to make sure our names are listed in the book of life. And if it's not listed in the book of life, the Bible tells us if you go to the book of life and look for your name and you can't find it, the Bible says our destiny is a lake of fire. And so this should be motivating enough. The reward and punishment and how it relates to having your name listed in the book of life should motivate us to really look deep into this study. So the Iglesia de Cristo tells us if your name is not in the registry, well, then our names are not in the book of life, right? If that's true, my goodness, we, did, we better make sure that we go back to, to the Iglesia de Cristo, right? I mean, if the registry of the Iglesia de Cristo equals the book of life or the registry of the book of life in heaven, my goodness, we better go to the, we better become members of the Church of Christ once again. But let's go ahead and take a look at the reasoning behind this how do they go uh, and make this conclusion that you need to be in the church's registry the iglesia de cristo to be to have your name listed in the book of life in heaven that sounds like a very very bold statement to make 
something that we need to test. And let's look at the reasoning behind this, which is presented again in the same show, the incmedia.org sponsored show called That's in the Bible, presented by Brother Bob Pelini, Minister of the Iglesia de Cristo. And someone uh, asked him a question, which is answered in the show. The question is from Michael. And the question is, how do we know our names are truly written in the book of life in heaven? And this is Sabah the Bob, which of course represents the official stand of the Iglesia de Cristo, answers that particular question. In quotes, uh, thank you for that question because we, because can we go there and actually look and physically see our own names there listed in the book of life in heaven? Obviously not, right? We can't go to heaven. And is my name there, right? We cannot do that. And so he goes on to say, can we go and double check that our name is there? Of course, we cannot do that. But, and here's the big but. He says, there's a way that we can be equally confident. So he's saying, this is as good as being able to go to heaven and double checking, right? We can be equally confident. So we can be equally confident our names are listed in the book of life in the same way we are confident because we went to heaven for some reason, naturally saw our names listed there. And he says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, our Lord Jesus Christ made a very important pronouncement, 1818 reads this way. And so in explaining how we can be equally confident as though we are reading the book of life right there in front of our faces, he cites Matthew 18, verse 18. This is why the subtopic or subtitle um, of this lesson today is the truth about Matthew 18, 18, because Brother Bob and the Iglesia de Cristo interprets Matthew 18, 18 to be about the book of life. You notice how he jumps from how can we be equally confident that our names are written in the book of life, and he goes to Matthew 18, 18. So what does that mean? He's making the conclusion, I mean, he's making the conclusion that Matthew 18, 18 is about the book of life. But where is that found in the Holy Bible? It's not, it's conjecture. They make this conclusion without any basis. And so they go to Matthew 18, 18. Let's go ahead and read the contents of Matthew 18, 18. And this is what it says. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's what's written in Matthew 18, 18. And after reading Matthew 18, 18, which I see concludes is about the book of life, perhaps because it mentions heaven and earth and binding. But still, when you look at the passage, where do you go from here to book of life? Do you see anything at all, any contextual clues, textual clues that suggest that perhaps Matthew 18, 18 is about the book of life? There's nothing there, right? But for some reason, they jump to the conclusion Matthew 18, 18 is about the book of life. And this is what he says after reading the passage. Uh, well, it might, it may be so that we cannot go physically now to the kingdom of heaven and check and see open up the pages of the book of life and look maybe alphabetically or whatever to see. Is our name listed there, Pelin? It's the letter P. Bob. Oh, it's not Bob. Robert. Well, check Robert. So we can't do that, he says. But we can be sure that we are listed or bound there in that book. How? He said we can be sure. How? 
Jesus said, according to him, be bound here on earth and you will be bound in heaven. But when you look at his quote, be bound here on earth and you will be bound here on heaven, is that what it actually says in the verse? No, it says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It doesn't say be bound on earth and you will be bound in heaven. But what did it mean when he said we need to be bound here on earth so as to be bound there in heaven? What is the binding element? What would bind us? It's not our personalities that binds us together. It's not our nationalities that binds us together. We need to be bound here on earth. Uh, yet we need to be bound here on earth, question mark. Proverbs chapter 3, the binding element is described here in Proverbs chapter uh, 3. And so it goes on to say, um, if you notice that Iglesia de Cristo, as presented by Brother Bob Pelin, reinterprets Matthew 18, 18. This is an important point to make. Because in Matthew 18, 18, Yahushua says, our king says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, but he changes it. He says, be bound on earth and you will be bound in heaven. And so they make another jump, another conclusion that's not warranted by the text. The first jump was they apply Matthew 18, 18 to the book of life. The next jump is they apply Matthew 18, 18 to applying to people, right? I see interprets Matthew 18, 18 to describe people being bound and loose and then they go on to tell us and they make another jump about the bind they say what is that bind and he introduces a very strange term a binding element what on earth is a binding element because he says people are bound by this binding element and he says it's proverbs 3 3 and 1 and so let's read proverbs 3 3 and 1 bind them around your neck Write them on the tablet of your heart. That's what it says. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Right? Now, they jump from Matthew 18, 18 to Proverbs 3, 1, 3, even though there's no contextual connection. Right? I just want you to be aware of that. And later on, we'll look at how it all kind of breaks apart. And then he quotes, uh, uh, Brother Bob says, after reading Proverbs 3, he actually did not read part, verse 1. He only read verse, he only read verse 3. And then he goes on to say, um, what binds us together is not our personalities or ethnicity, such things as that. No, we are bound by the laws of God. Sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? All of us following the same laws, following the same commands that will enable us to be bound here on earth. But how can we be bound here by the laws and the commandments of God? So he jumps from Matthew 18, 18 to define bind. And he says the bind is the word of God, that we're bound by the word of God here on earth. And then he proceeds to ask the next question. How are we bound by the laws and commandments of God? There's a method by which we are bound by those laws and commands of God. And it's our Lord Jesus Christ who spoke of that method in these terms when he wrote in Mark 16, 15 uh, to 16. So from there we see INC says that people must be bound by the words of God on earth so that they will be bound in heaven. How does that process work? He quotes Mark 16, 15, and 16. Why does he quote Mark? I have no idea, right? Because he's not going from binding to how, how people are bound by the word of God. 
And then Mark goes on to say, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And so what they do now after citing Mark 16, 15, 16, connecting it somehow to Proverbs, I don't know how, just use your imagination, I guess. So they jump to Mark 16, 15, and 16. And then from Mark 16, 15, and 16, they conclude that for you to be bound by the word of God, you have to be baptized after receiving the preaching of the gospel. And who must be the one to preach the gospel to you? The administration. No one else but the church administration. And so they make another conclusion. They make another jump. You notice how they jump from here to there? They make another jump without any basis that only the church administration is to preach that gospel for them to receive the bind that they can be bound in on earth and somehow they don't explain how you're bound in heaven as well but that's what they believe okay and so after reading mark 16 15 and 16 they say you're baptized into one body they quote corinthians 12 13 one body is the church and then they jump again this time they say the one church, the one body, is the Iglesia Ni Cristo organization and nothing else, just them. So according to the Iglesia Ni Cristo, those who are bound, listed in the church's registry on earth, and bound, listed in the book of life in heaven, are those baptized into their organization, the Iglesia Ni Cristo. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to teach in his program, the same program. He says, what else is needed to ensure then that our name remains listed in the book of life, which makes sense. So you are, your name is added to the book of life when you're baptized into the English and So now you have to remain. How? Once we have heard the true gospel, believe the true gospel, then baptized into the church of Christ, make note, their organization, no one else, just their organization, we may not be able to physically go there and look to see if our name is listed, but we can be equally sure that it is by being here inside the church of Christ. And what else is necessary? Revelation 20, uh, chapter 21, there's uh, something else that one needs to consider when their soul desires to have the certainty that their name will be read from the book of life on the upcoming day of judgment and as recorded here in the book of revelation chapter 21 let's listen together so in addition to being baptized they need to remain in the church of christ organization why is that and then he cites revelation 21 let's read 21 27 nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life and then he concludes he says dear friends we need also to live a pure life as members of the church of christ we must strive to have our name listed in the book of life by being and remaining bound here on earth and therefore bound in heaven as members registered members of the church of christ and so you notice in this conclusion the one who controls the destiny of people is the church administration because they're the ones who teach and baptize they're also the ones who remove from the list or the registry those who are to be saved so for the iglesia ni cristo the bind refers to the word of god and what is being bound or loose are people and the one doing the binding and losing is 
the church administration. So to recap and summarize uh, what their belief is concerning the book of life, who are those bound in heaven according to the Iglesia de Cristo? What is your answer? Dun, da, da, dun. Those who have been baptized in the Iglesia de Cristo and are registered in the church registry, those whose names are listed in the church's registry are the ones whose names are written in the book of life in heaven. There's this um, equivalence between the, the Iglesia de Cristo registry and the book of life. This is what Brother Bob said, you can be equally confident. If you go to the central office and look for your name, if it's listed in the church's, in the church's registry in the central office, then it is also listed in the, the registry of the book of, uh, book of the Lamb, they're in heaven, right? And so that's uh, their belief. Well, what about how, who are those loose in heaven, according to the Iglesia de Cristo? They also teach Corinthians 5, verse 13, God will judge those outside, expel the wicked man from among you. And the one who, of course, makes the decision who to expel is the church administration. So again, we can see the church administration has this control over the book of life. They decide who is added, and they also decide who is removed. So who are those loose in heaven according to the Iglesia de Cristo, those who have been expelled from the Iglesia de Cristo and are no longer in their church registry. Those whose names are removed from the church's registry have their names erased from the book of, life, book of life in heaven. This is why he says we must strive not only to be included, to be added, but to remain, not to be removed, so that we can remain listed in the church's registry, because if your name is not listed in the church's registry, then you are going to the lake of fire. So for the Iglesia de Cristo, the bind refers to the word of God, and what is being bound or loose are people. The one doing the binding and loosing is the church administration. So if that's true, think about it. Right? If it's true, what the church administration of the Iglesia de Cristo is teaching us. If this is true, and you're not listed in the registry of the Iglesia de Cristo, you're going to hell. <laughs> you are going to the lake of fire. This is why we need to really examine this. If it's true, let's go back. Let's be members of the Iglesia de Cristo, if it's true, right? And so we need to test it. We need to put to test the INC, Iglesia de Cristo, interpretation of Matthew 18, 18 to the test by examining the passage itself, right, number one, and then looking at the context of the actual passage. Is it okay if we do that? Okay, we have to be open-minded about this because we need to know, because if what the INC teaching is true, then no matter whatever it takes, we must make sure to get and remain listed in the Iglesia de Cristo Register. We have to die with our name cards. That is our ticket to heaven, the name card. That is the most precious thing we can ever possess and do whatever it takes to possess that because that represents your listen in the church's registry, which according to them can be equally confident you listen where? In the book of life. And so let's go ahead and test the central tenets because this is the basis of Matthew 18, 18, and the, the Iglesia and the Christ of Belief about Matthew 18, 18, right? Let's go ahead and test each of these statements one by one. Let's begin by them saying the, the one doing the binding and the loosing is the church administration, because if this is true, because they're the ones who decide who get, gets baptized and who gets expelled, who are added and removed from the church's registry, 
which they say is equivalent to being added and removed from the Book of Life, then that tells us that the church administration somehow has authority to edit the Book of Life. I mean, there's no other way to really kind of get away from that conclusion, right? That's the conclusion. The church administration of the Iglesia de Cristo must have some kind of authority to edit, to add, subtract from the book of life. And so we need to test that as assertion. Does the church administration of the Iglesia de Cristo or any person, any organization here on earth, have the right and authority to add or remove people from the book of life? Let's read here in the book of Psalm 69, 27, 28. Pile their sins up high and don't let them go free. Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them count it, be counted among the righteous. Who has the right to erase our names in the book of life? Who has editorial rights? Of course, Yahuwah, the one making this plea, is a king. The king of Israel, David. We know David had authority, but despite him being king over all Israel, he did not have the right, he did not have the authority to erase the names of any person from the book of life. Well, if King David did not have that, do you think any of us here on earth today would have that? The church administration would have that? I don't think so. What else? In the book of Exodus 32, 31, 33, Moses then returned to Yahuwah and said, these people have committed a terrible sin. They have made a god out of gold and worshipped it. Please forgive their sin. But if you won't, then remove my name from the book in which you have written the names of your people. Here Moses is making a plea like David. Because Yahuwah was very upset with Aaron and also the people of Israel. Because when he went to Mount Sinai to get the tablets, what did the people of Israel do? They, they went and built and erected a golden calf and worshipped it. This is idolatry, right? And so Yahuwah decides, okay, tells Moses, I'm going to destroy the people of Israel. And I'm going to start over again with you, Moses. No longer with Abraham, but with you. And Moses said, no, please forgive their sins. Because Yahuwah is going to remove their names from the, book of, from the book, right? And so Moses makes a plea that just remove my name. And so what does Yahuwah say? 33, Yahuwah answered, it is those who have sinned against me whose names I will remove from my book. God is saying, wait, that's not your book. It's my book. And so he has the, he has the authority to add, to subtract names in his book. You see, brothers and sisters, the book of life does not belong to the Iglesia de Cristo. The book of life does not belong to the church administration. The book of life does not belong to anyone here on earth. Who does it belong to? It belongs to Yahuwah. Who also does it belong to? Revelation 13 verse 8. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They're the ones whose names were not written in the book of life where the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered, to whom also was authority over the book given to Yahusha. This is why the book of life is also called the book that belongs to who? The lamb. Who's the lamb? Yahusha, our king. And so Yahusha has the right to edit, to add, to subtract from the book of life. 
That's why in Revelation 3 verse 7, the Bible says, Yahusha says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. You know what our King Yahusha is teaching us here? This is what we studied when we looked into the seven assemblies, the seven churches. Remember that study? And there were people like the, the, the assembly in Philadelphia. They were being persecuted by certain institutions. And they were doing, they were making the claim that they had certain authorities. And because of their authority, they're providing a, stung, a, a closed door, a stumbling block. And Yahushua says, the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David, what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. What is our King Yahushua telling us here? He's telling us no one here on earth has any power or authority to prevent us from going to Yahushua and to, 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 and to close the door in front of people. No one has the control of who belongs to Yahuwah and to Yahusha, except for the one who has a Kiyah, David. We studied this in depth. Please go back to our study in Revelation 3.7. And he also concludes, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it, for you have a little strength, but have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. So our King Yahusha, he is aware of many institutions today who make claims that give them authority to determine who goes to heaven and who does not, right? Those who make the claim that they're, they have the key and they have the authority to add people in the book of life and remove their names from the book of life. Like what Brother Bob said, equally confident, right? Can you imagine that? It's like they have the key. That is absurd. Yahushua says he's the one who has the key. He's the one who can shut, uh, set before us an open door that no one can shut. And so let us place our trust in Yahushua. Why? Revelation 3, 5, all who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. And so Yahusha is the one who decides who is in the name, who is in the book of life and whose names will be erased from the book of life. It's not the church administration here on earth, but Yahusha. Not any person here on earth, but Yahusha. And so to make the claim we are equally confident, that's kind of bordering blasphemy, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Think about I me, mean, really think about this, right? Are you telling me the church administration of the Iglesia de Cristo here on earth, they have the editorial rights to the book of life? Is Yahushua gonna say on judgment day, wait a minute, your name is listed in the central office, your name is listed in the church's register of the Iglesia de Cristo? Okay, you're safe. Is that the basis of the land? No, 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 no. It is blasphemous. This is why we need to be this idea that the church administration has authority over the book of life. We need to remove that. That is completely wrong and blasphemous. Okay. How about the next one? What uh, they teach of what is being bound or loose are people. 
That's what they teach. When they go to Matthew 18, 18, it's about binding people. And so if you bound people on earth, you bound them in heaven. And if you bind loose people on earth, you loose them in heaven. Is it true that the binding and loosing process is about people? That people are being bound by the word of God? Well, let's look at Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever. You notice that? It did not say whomever. There's a difference. The Bible says, Yahushua says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And the Greek word used is G745, hosos, which is whatsoever. If Yahushua meant people, people, he should have used another Greek word, hosper, which means whomever. But in Matthew 18, 18, it's not whomever, but whatever. And so the binding and loosing process is not being applied to people, but to something else. That's what we need to find out, right? So we need to cross out this belief that what is being bound or loose are people. Let's go to the next one. The bind refers to the words of God. Let's look at Matthew 18, 18. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Let's ask the question. The bind then, is that the word of God? Is that what Yahushua is saying? Oh, the bind is the word of God. Nowhere can we find in Matthew 18, 18 that the bind in that passage is the word of God. And so he jumps to the book of Proverbs, right? Proverbs 3, what does it mean that they need to be bound on earth? You notice that? He said, we need to be bound here on earth. We, referring to people being bound. And what did he say is the binding element? What is the bind that's the question he asked. What is the binding element? And then he reads Proverbs 3 and the verses 1 and 3. But he does not read verse 1. And he says, bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Remember the question, what is the bind in Matthew 18, 18? Right? And then he quotes Proverbs 3, 3. And read. I want you to read Proverbs 3, 3 for yourself. For yourself. Without any bias. Just read it. What does it say? Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Question. When you read Proverbs 3 and you look at the word bind, does it say that the bind is the word of God? No. It says bind them, right, around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What is the them referred to? Because that's what we need to bind in our neck. That's what we need to write in our heart. What is that? Let's read the whole thing. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so it's very clear. The bind does not refer to the word of God. What the Bible is telling us in Proverbs is we need to bind the word of God. You see the difference? We need to bind the word of God into our heart and in our mind. What is the them referred to? It refers to the law and the commandments. Ironically, if INC will use this definition and just for the sake of argument, let's agree with them that a person to go to heaven, he must be bound by the laws and commandments of God. Do you know what the laws and commandments of God is referred to there? Surprise, surprise. It's called the Ten Commandments. <laughs> the Ten 
commandment. So by their definition of bind, so that they can be in heaven, well, they just disqualify themselves, right? I mean, look at it. They just disqualified themselves from getting to heaven because they said the bind refers to the Ten Commandments of the law that was given to Moses. That's what it says in Proverbs 3, 1 and 3. And so I wonder what they will say about that. <laughs> Disqualifying themselves again about who goes to heaven. First, it was about the name of Christ, right? If you're not named by the name of Christ, you're not going to go to heaven. And the only name given by which we are to be saved, oh, it's the name Yahusha, not the name Christ. To disqualify themselves. Here they disqualify themselves again. Because the law and commandments, that's the Ten Commandments, right? But of course, in terms of what we're studying, the bind referred to there, when it says bind, it's a verb, not a noun. It's a verb. We're supposed to do something with the Word of God. This is why there's a disconnect when you go from Matthew and then go to Proverbs. There's a big disconnect. It's contextually not connected. And it does not apply to the bind in Matthew 18 and 18. In Proverbs, the bind refers to a verb that you need to do with the Word of God. The bind's not the Word of God in Proverbs 3. In Proverbs 3, the Word of God are the commandments based on the law that we must bind or put in our heart and mind. That's what it means to bind. It's not about binding people. It's about binding the Word of God into the hearts of people. You see the big difference there? It's a slight difference, but remember, it makes a big difference, those small things. And so what then is the bind in Matthew 18, 18? Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Let's go to the Greek word for bind, right? It's the, the Greek word 1210, and we know um, when it comes to the word bind, it has several meanings. We need to look at the metaphorical meaning because it is used as a metaphor. You don't actually physically bind, right? He's not, Yahushua is not talking about an actual physical bind. So we look at the metaphorical meaning, which is to forbid, to, for, to, to prohibit, okay? That's to bind. In other words, Yahushua is telling us by binding, we are declaring what is forbidden by the word of God. That's binding. Well, what does it mean to loose? To loose is Greek word 3089, leo, which means to set free, to loosen, to dissolve, to do away with. And so basically what you have is binding and loosing means what laws are binding in that situation. What laws are not, um, are, are not applicable in that situation? That's to loose. So to bind is to forbid. To loose is to permit. To, to forbid and to permit. And so when you have binding and loosing, which is what Yahushua says, binding and loosing, it's a Hebrew idiom. Binding and loosing is a Hebrew idiom that is used for judicial purposes. Now, where did this idiom come from? It came from how Yahuwah instructed Moses concerning what's, what they need to do when there are disputes among the people. And there's, there needs to be a judicial stand a decision to resolve the dispute. And so if we go back to Exodus 18, 20, 22, this is where the idiom of binding and loosing came from, 18, 20, 22. You should teach them God's commandments and explain to them how they should live 
and what they should do. But in addition, you should choose some capable men and appoint them as leaders of the people. Leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They must be God-fearing men who can be trusted and who cannot be brought. Let them serve as judges for the people on a permanent basis. They can bring all the difficult cases to you, but they themselves can decide all the smaller disputes that will make it easier for you as they share your burden. And so here, Yahuwah um, is teaching Moses, or Moses is learning how to better handle the disputes of the people, right? And so what is the suggestion given to him? The suggestion given to him is, okay, you teach the commands of God, so everyone knows the commands of God, but there are people who are better equipped to apply the word of God to a situation, right? And so we need to not only understand the word of God, but also how to apply the word of God. And so there are those appointed as judges. Who should be appointed as judges? Those who fear God and are not to be bribed. Because if a judge is easily bribed, then his decisions, when there are disputes, it's not going to be based upon the word of God. And so these appointed judges are going to settle disputes among the people of God. And so what will he do? He will refer to the word of God and look at the situation and ask, okay, what does Yahuwah God permit? What is uh, Yahuwah God permitting? What is Yahuwah God forbidding? That is binding. What is God permitting? That is loosing, right? And so this commandment, particular command, in this situation, it doesn't pertain. So it's loosed. But in this situation, for this person, it is binding. And so in the different situations, when there are disputes, somebody has to decide when and how a command of God is to be applied to resolve the case. And so the process of binding Lucy is the process of searching the Bible to determine what God forbids, what is binding, and what he allows, what is loose concerning the given dispute, the case, or issue. Does it make sense? That's the process of binding and loosing. It became a Hebrew idiom. And so to bind is to forbid, to loose is to permit. So Matthew 18, 18 does not refer to adding or subtracting from the book of life in heaven because binding and loosing does not mean register on earth and register in heaven. This is why in other translations of the Bible, when they translate the Holy Bible, for example, the Amplified, this is not a word for word translation. This is more of a dynamic translation. They incorporate the Hebrew idioms, because these scholars who translate Matthew 18, 18, in their translation, instead of using a word-for-word -word translation, they incorporated in their translation, um, the way it's rendered here, using their idea and knowledge of the Hebrew idioms and what it actually means. That's why in this translation, it says, truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Doesn't it make sense? It doesn't, you know, when you look at the Hebrew idiom, because Yahusha, when he's teaching his disciples, he was borrowing a Hebrew idiom because of the practices of, of the people of God in the past. And so he's using that to teach them what they need to do in case of a dispute. Okay. And so what is important is the word of God, what it forbids, what it permits. In another translation, 
I tell you the truth, the things you don't allow on earth, that is to bind, it's still binding, will be the things God doesn't allow. And the things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. And so it's binding and loosing. Binding means it's the, the, the law of God is in effect. In other words, when it says something is forbidden, it still remains, it, it is still forbidden. And so it should not be allowed. It does, God does not allow it. When it says to lose, it means there's permission. In that context, in that situation, and we can say that Yahuwah God allows that to happen. It's permitted in that situation. Okay, so that's binding and loosing. And so this idea that the bind refers to the word of God and, and you know, being registered in heaven and earth, it's not in the passage. It's not. And so we have to cross that out, right? And so, so far we put to the test Matthew 18 and 18. We examined the passage itself. Now let's look at the context of the passage. So we can determine which conclusion better fits the context. Matthew 18, 18 describes the binding and loosing as the process of searching the Bible to determine what God forbids and allows concerning a given dispute, case, or issue, or the INC interpretation of Matthew 18, 18, which they say describes the process of how people's names are added or subtracted from the book of life in heaven. Okay, so which one fits the context? Well, let's read, we read, because the topic or passage in question is Matthew 18, 18. Let's read the context. How do you do that? You read what is before it and what is after it. Fair enough. Let's go ahead and do that. Matthew 18, 15 and 17. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Do you see what the context is here? What is the context of Matthew 18, 18? It's about what to do when there are what? Disputes. Because it's bound to happen. When people are gathered together, when they belong to a family, there's going to be eventually a dispute. Someone has to settle the dispute. What's the first step in settling the dispute? Try to settle it. Try to settle the dispute amongst yourselves. That's what Yahushua says, right? Tell him his fault between you him and him alone. That's the first step. That doesn't work. What's the next step? Get some witnesses with you who will help, you know, maybe someone close to you who will kind of resolve the problem just between a small group, right? Kind of help facilitate the reconciliation to get witnesses. If that doesn't work, then you go to the church. What does that mean? You go to the elders. Because when we go back to Exodus, who were the ones appointed to be judges? The elders. And so the elders represent the church. And so you go to the elders and they will make a decision about the dispute. And if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Remove that person from fellowship. And so what Matthew 18, 15 to 17 is about is what to do when there is a dispute. Solve it among yourselves. Get some witnesses and try to resolve it. If not, go to the church. Now, here's the question. Now, Yahushua is telling us how the church the elders 
how they are to resolve the issue, how they are to resolve the dispute. How? Well, we read verse 7, 15 to 17. We jump to Matthew 18, 18 and 20. I tell you the truth. The things you don't allow on earth will be the things God does not allow. And the things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. And so Yahusha, in explaining what needs to be done by the elders, by the church concerning a dispute, Yahusha borrows the idiom that was applied when there were disputes during the days of Moses, when the elders called judges were to settle disputes. Yahusha borrows the Hebrew idiom called binding and loosing. In this dynamic translation, the NCV, it says the things you don't allow on earth will be the things that God does not allow. And the things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. And so Yahusha saying that your decision about this dispute is going to reflect the will of Yahuwah Abba if we follow the next two steps. What are they? We read verse 18. Let's read verse 19. And also I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about something and pray for it, it will be done by, uh, for you by my Father in heaven. So Yahushua is telling us, okay, for 18 to work, for the binding and loosing, understanding the will of God in a particular situation, for that to work, you need to apply 19. How do you apply 19? It's called deliberation, when the elders deliberate. This is why during the days of the Hebrews, there were groups of, groups of elders, like 10 elders, at least 10 elders, to form a Sanhedrin, what we used to call a Sanhedrin, right? And so there were elders, and what Yahushua is saying, okay, you need to meet together and deliberate. Deliberate. What is the process of deliberation? Studying the word of God, knowing what is forbidden, knowing what is allowed. And then you make the conclusion. What is needed also? You have to pray. So it's prayerful deliberation. Okay? If we apply prayerful deliberation, what is the guarantee of our King Yahusha? Verse 20. This is true because if two or three people come together in my name, I am there with them. And that's the most important part. 18 will not work unless 20 is in effect. Do you see that? And 20 will be in effect only if we do 19. And what is 19? We deliberate in the name of Yahusha. So that Yahusha will be with us to settle the dispute. And if Yahusha is with us to settle the dispute, that is going to come from, that is, Yahuwah, through Yahusha, will let us know what is binding and what is loosing. And so clearly this is not about add, uh, adding to the book of life or removing the book of life, but how to settle disputes through the guidance of Yahusha. Question, how will Yahusha be with us in our midst? How is that possible? John 16, 13 to 14. When, however, the Spirit comes who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all, all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears and will tell you of things to come. He will give me glory because he will take what I say and tell it to you. So how can, in essence, Yahushua be the one to make the decision concerning the dispute? Through his holy, yeah, through the Spirit. Through the Spirit, Yahushua can be in our midst. And when Yahushua is in our midst, then we will know what is binding, we will know what is loose. 
We will know what is permitted. We will know what is not permitted concerning the situation that the dispute is about, right? And so the process of binding and loosing is the process of searching the Bible to determine what God forbids and allows concerning a given dispute, case, or issue as guided by the true executive, Yahusha, through the Holy Spirit. And so that's what it means when we, when we study Matthew 18, 18. Do you think it's about the book of life? No, no, no. It's not about the book of life. It's about Yahusha helping the assembly to settle disputes that were difficult, just like what happened during the days of Moses. The regular cases were easy. You know, the regular judges did it. But if it was difficult and needed the help of Yahusha, then they would deliberate and pray, and through the Spirit, Yahusha would be there to guide them, right? Well, did this happen before? I mean, is there a case example of binding and loosing led by King Yahusha through the Holy Spirit? What is your answer? Yeah. Do you still remember what this is about? What is this about? Let's read Acts 15, 1 and 2. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, According to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some of the believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. And so there was a problem, a dispute that arose. This dispute is between the certain teachers, Paul and Barnabas and teachers who came from Judea. What do these teachers teach? They're teaching about circumcision that you still need to be circumcised. Also Paul, Barnabas, they teach you don't need to be circumcised to be saved. So there was a dispute, right? And so this was not a this was not a small issue. This was a big issue that required really the intervention of our king, Yahusha. So how did they settle this dispute? They applied the process taught in Matthew 18, 18. And so what did they do? Well, 6 down to 11, the apostles and the elders met together to consider this question. What do we call that? It's called a deliberation, right? They met together in the name of Yahusha. They deliberated and prayed. And after a long debate, Peter stood up and said, My friends, you know that a long time ago, God chose me from among you to preach the good news to the Gentiles so that they could hear and believe. And God also, uh, who knows the thoughts of everyone, showed his approval of the Gentiles by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he had to us. He made no difference between us and them. He forgave their sins because they believed. So then, why do you now want to put God to the test by laying a load on the backs of the believers, which neither our ancestors nor we ourselves were able to carry? No, we should, we believe and are saved by the grace of the Lord Yahusha, just as they are. And so when they were deliberating, who stood up and made a comment? Also Peter. What was his comment about? about the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit through Yahusha, without circumcision. You get the point? So, so Apostle Peter gives a testimony. Remember, they're deliberating as a group in the name of Yahusha. Apostle Peter speaks. And then what happened after that? Verse 12, uh, the whole group was silent as they heard Barnabas and Paul report all the miracles and wonders that God had performed through them among the Gentiles. So after Peter speaks, Paul now speaks together with Barnabas. And they also give a testimony about the Gentiles. What is that? They have, they, they perform miracles and wonders 
God performed among the Gentiles. So Peter gives a testimony. Apostle Paul gives a testimony. Who also gives a testimony. 13.18. When they had finished speaking, James. So we have Peter, Paul, Barnabas, now James. James spoke up. Listen to me, my friends. Simon has just explained how God first showed his care for the Gentiles by taking from among them a people to belong to him. The words of the prophets agree completely with this. As the scripture says, after this, I will return, says the Lord, and restore the kingdom of David. I will rebuild its ruins and make it strong again. And so all the rest of the human race will come to me, all the Gentiles whom I have called to be my own. So says the Lord who made this known long ago. And so what did Apostle, what did James testify to? What did he say? What was his testimony? He referred to scripture. In scripture, what does it reveal? He quoted from Amos. And it says, the rest of human race will come to me, all the Gentiles whom I have called to be my own. And so when the Christians, when they deliberated as a group in the name of Yahushua, right? Who spoke first? Peter, then Paul, then James. And so they looked at their testimony and they, they quoted scripture. What did they decide to do? What did the Holy Spirit reveal to them? The Holy Spirit and we. I want to pause it for a while. And so here, the Holy Spirit was manifested. What does that mean? Yahushua is with them, right? The Holy Spirit indicates Yahushua is with them. And so their decision about this dispute is from Yahushua. The Holy Spirit, and we have agreed not to put any other burden on you beside these necessary rules. Eat no food that has been offered to idols. Eat no blood. Eat no animal that has been strangled. And keep yourselves from sexual immorality. You will do well if you take care not to do these things with our best wishes. And so through the Holy Spirit, Yahushua was able to manifest his presence and his will so that the dispute about circumcision would be resolved. That's the process of binding and loosing. And so what was binding? What remained forbidden? Eat no food that has been offered to idols. Eat no food, uh, eat no blood, eat no animal that's been strangled and keep yourself from sexual immorality. That remains binding, right? Well, what was loose? Well, the, they no longer need circumcision. They have freedom from circumcision. And so binding and loosing was illustrated for us there when they met in the council in Jerusalem. And after making this decision, this dispute was, how was it settled? Acts 15, 30, 31, the messengers were sent off and went to Antioch, where they gathered the whole group of believers and gave them the letter. When the people read it, they were filled with joy by the message of encouragement. And so they rejoiced. You see, the purpose of binding and loosing is not to intimidate members, but to take care of them through the knowledge of the words of God. Okay, so when we look at these two interpretations, Matthew 18, 18, describing the binding and losing as the process of searching the Bible to determine what God forbids and allows concerning a given dispute, case, or issue, versus Matthew 18, 18, which describes the process of how people's names are added or subtracted from the book of life in heaven. We already, we already showed you an analysis of the passage in Matthew 18, 18. We also showed you the context of Matthew 18, 18, and even an illustration 
of the process of Matthew 18, 18, the binding and loosing process, and it all indicates it's not referring to the book of life. It's not. You know, as a matter of fact, do you know how the INC uses Matthew 18, 18? I mean, how is Matthew 18, 18 misused by, I, by INC, which leads them to the conclusion you have to be registered in the church's registry for you to be in the book of life in heaven? Well, number one, they say that they say Matthew 18, 18 applies to the book of life, even though there's no textual basis to do so. That's the first jump they make, right? Second jump, they say that the binding and losing applies to people, when clearly it's not. That's the second jump. Third jump, they say the binding in Matthew 18, 18 refers to the word of God and jump to Proverbs 3, 1, 2, 3, which are contextually unrelated. Furthermore, they wrongly, uh, they wrongly misinterpret the word bind and ironically disqualify themselves to the book of life. And then they make another jump, Mark 16, 15, 16, that the process of binding people is baptism and that only the INC have the right to bind. And they make another jump, they conclude that the one body of Christ is just the INC organization. That, my friend, is how you twist Matthew 18, 18. So that you can make it read that Matthew 18, 18 pertains to the book of life in heaven. When clearly, when we look at the context, when we look at the passage itself, it does not, it does not refer to the book of life. And so the question we now, we now have to answer is, is my name? Is my name? Is your name in the book of life? How can we know if our name is in the book of life? Let's read Hebrews 12, 24. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge of all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, whom ha who have now been made perfect. You have come to Yahushua, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance of the blood of evil. So how can we, be sure our names are written in heaven. Well, to be honest with you, we cannot be 100% certain because the book of life is not here. But let us, the Bible tells us the characteristics of those whose names are listed in the book of life. And so we want to look at that so that we can maximize the certainty, right, that we have our names listed in the book of life in heaven. So in Hebrews, it mentions the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. So whose names are written in heaven? Those who have become the children of God, right? Those who become the children of God, they are, they belong to God as an assembly. Now, when we say assembly, it means called out once. It doesn't mean it's just one organization here on earth. No, the body of Christ is not an institution. It is a spiritual body. I don't understand why INC does not get that. The body of Christ is not an institution. The body of Christ is spiritual body. And so it's not one organization. And that is also the assembly of God's firstborn children. How do you become a child of God. Well, you need to go to God. Let's come to God. Because Yahuwah God is the one who gives His Spirit. When you have the Spirit of God, you become the son and daughter of God. You belong to Him. 
Well, how do you go to God? Yahusha says, you go to me. You go to Yahusha. Why? Because he's the one who provides forgiveness through his blood. So that's the process. For us to have our names listed, we need to be a child of God. How? By going to Yahusha, having our sins forgiven through his blood, so that we can be of Yahuwah Abba and receive his spirit. And we have our names written in the book of life. When, how can we receive forgiveness by the blood of Yahusha? Well, we get a clue in the book of Luke, uh, 10, 17, 20. The 72 men came back in great joy. Lord, he said, even the demons obeyed us when we uh, gave them a command in your name. Yahusha answered them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Listen, I saw, I have given you authority so that you can walk on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you, but don't be glad because the e but don't be glad because the evil spirits obey you. Rather, be glad because your names are written in heaven. Now we're talking. Now Yahushua's talking about the book of life. Very different from Matthew 18, 18, right? And so when he says your names are written in heaven, who are they? His disciples, the 72. What is their characteristic? They use the name of Yahusha. What authority do they have over the devil, using the name of Yahusha, over snakes and scorpions, so using the name of Yahusha? Well, how do you become a disciple and be identified with the name of salvation, the name of Yahusha, in Mark 16, 15, 15, 18? Now we can make the jump to Mark 16, and it's contextually relevant. Why? Look, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you see how it's related to the book of Luke that we came from? In Luke, it talks about those whose names are written in the book of life. And those who were given this privilege of having their names written in the book of life, look at what they're able to do because of the name of Yahushua. Over snakes and scorpions, over the devil. And that's the same thing here in Mark 16, 15, 16. So it's contextually connected. It's not like you go from Matthew 18, 18 and jump to Proverbs, and then from Proverbs go to Mark. It's not connected. This is connected. Right? And so what does it mean then to have our names listed in the book of life? What does it mean for us to be purchased by the blood of Yahushua? We're baptized in his name. And so we need to make sure we do receive baptism after receiving the gospel. What is the gospel? It simply is to believe that Yahushua is Lord. Yahushua died. Yahushua was resurrected for our sins. That's the gospel. And so when that was preached back in Pentecost, those who were baptized, are they going to be saved? Yeah. Why? Because the gospel was preached and they believed and they were baptized. They didn't have all these other things that they needed to hear. They were baptized because of the gospel. That's the gospel. What's the gospel again? If you go to Acts, look at Acts and read what Apostle Peter preaches. The first sermon after the Holy Spirit went down. What did Apostle Peter preach? Only three things. Examine his sermon. Because what he preached are three things. Number one, Yahushua is Lord. Number one. Number two, Yahushua died for our sins. Number three, he was uh, buried. 
for three days. And then he was resurrected on the third day. Just four things. That's the gospel message. You don't need to add all these extra stuff. That's the gospel message. And so that's what we preach. If you preach that, people believe it. And in his name, you will have your names listed in the book of life. But, you know, once we're baptized and have our names listed in the book of life, what do we need to make sure of? Well, Revelation 13, 6 to 8. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his temple, that is, those who live in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people, language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worshiped the beast. They were the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered here. The Bible is telling us what we need to avoid so that we don't endanger ourselves from having our names removed from the book of life. What do we need to avoid? We need to avoid the works and the spirit of the beast. Like slandering the name of Yahuwah. Like using the world and loving the world and worshiping the beast. The system of the beast. We need to know. This is why we're studying the book of Revelation. We want to know the system of the beast. We want to know what he wants done so that we can avoid it. Because those who are of the beast, and they don't even realize this, their names are not written in the book of life in heaven. And so what does this mean for us? Those who are baptized into Yahushua, what does that mean for us? What does it truly mean to be a disciple? Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Yahushua drew near and said to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, including authority over the book of life. This is why if you want to know if your name is written in the book of life, you need to please Yahushua. He's the one you need to please. Go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. And so what does, what does it mean for us who are baptized in the name of Yahushua? We have to be disciples. Because there are those who are baptized to be disciples, but don't end up becoming disciples. And so if they're baptized to become a disciple, to have their names written in the book of life, but they don't become a true disciple, then one's name can be, can be uh, erased from the book of life, right? What does it mean to be a disciple? Well, the word disciple, in, that, in, in Matthew 28, in the passage we read, I like that definition, to become a pupil. <laughs> when you think about it, that's what disciple means, right? You become a student, and there is a teacher. Who is the teacher? Yahusha. We are a disciple. There's a master. Who is the master? Yahusha. What does that mean? We need to continuously learn. It's like Yahusha has a registered class. That's kind of like the book of life, you know? The class room of Yahusha. Because that's what he wants people to become, his students. He is the teacher. There is a classroom. In the classroom, there's a registry. If you are a student and you don't want to learn from what the teacher is teaching, he might remove you from that list. <laughs> this person doesn't want to learn. And so what does that mean 
for us to be a disciple. We need to continuously become a pupil, a student of Yahusha. This is why we need to keep learning, right? We need to try and understand what Yahushua wants us to learn so that we will not be deceived by the beast, by the Antichrist, by the world's ways. We need to continuously learn what Yahushua wants to teach us. Why? Why should we keep learning from him what he wants to teach us? Revelation 3, 4 to 5. But you have a few there in Sardis who have kept their clothes unstained so they will walk with me and will wear white clothes because they are worthy. Those who win the victory will be dressed in white clothes like them. And I will not erase their names from the book of life, but I will say they belong to me before my father and before his angels. Why should we strive to learn from our master every single day, learn something from him so that we can walk with him? That's what it means to be a disciple. We walk with him. But how can we walk with him if we don't know his voice? How can we walk with him if he goes this way and we go the other way? How can we walk with him if we don't learn from him? This is why we need to learn from our king, Yahushua. If we will learn from him, apply what he wants us to apply, and walk with him, Yahushua says, I will not erase their names from the book of life. Do you see? What is involved when we attempt to answer the question, is my name recorded in the book of life or not? How do we answer that question? It's simple. You go to the one who determines what is listed or who's listed and who's not. Who is that? Yahusha. You see, when, what people really want to hear is, I want assurance that my name is listed in the book of life by having some kind of name card or by having my name written in the registry and they can see that, right? But it's not about that. It's about having a relationship with the one who has authority over the book of life. You see that? You see, it's not about being registered in some religious organization. We're not telling you if you're a registered member of the assembly, your name is listed in the book of life. No, <laughs> no. That's not what we are teaching. We already discussed this in the previous um, study. It is about our covenant relationship with the King Yahushua, the one who has authority over the book of life. You want to make sure? Your name is listed in the book of life. Strengthen your covenant relationship with who? Yahushua. How do you do that? John. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice. Begin there. You know his voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are brother, Reverend, if I were you, instead of placing your trust in a so-called church administration, I would rather place my trust in the one who has true control and authority over the book of life. Who's that? Yahushua. Not anyone here on earth, no. But Yahushua, 
who teaches us the commands. If only we will listen to his voice. It's so much easier, isn't it? To see your name card or to see your name in some registry and you feel good about yourself. Oh, I'm listed in the registry. That's not about that. It's about a relationship with the one who holds the registry. Do not place your faith in a registry here on earth. It will take you nowhere. It will mislead you. Place your faith in Yahusha. Yahusha, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and has authority of the Book of Life. Amen. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, Most Holy Yahuwah Abba, Thank you for giving us the gift of your son. Thank you, Father, for giving us knowledge, allowing us to grow deep in wisdom, to understand your teachings. May you always send your Holy Spirit that we may have the gift to discern the difference between what is true and what is not true. Father, bless us every single day when we look into your book. May you send your Holy Spirit to guide our minds and to strengthen our hearts. Thank you for leading us to the King Yahusha. Our Master, we want to be your pupil. Gracious Yahusha, accept us. If in the past we have been slow learners, we will do our best to learn more from you. Give us the opportunity to establish a better relationship with you by learning to listen to your voice and to follow you completely. Please bless us with courage and strength. Help us to believe in your promises because we know it is you who holds the book of life. You have the power to cast away and the power to bring forth. Please bring us back to life. Give us life everlasting. Not only us, but the people we love. And so while there is still opportunity, Help us to share the message of your salvation, to bring people to you, that they may be baptized in your precious name, the name of Yahuwah as well. Father, Father in heaven, please help us in this quest to bring people to you through your son, Yahusha. Father, please be with us in the work of the assembly. Help us to be able to spread this message to more and more people. We ask and beg everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha Hamashiach. Amen.